every week when I think about what I want to talk about, I kind of try and um, see what's coming up for me in my life, or maybe I read something, a book, and that sparked something. And and, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, this week was just like a there was like a whole bunch of things coming at me. I read read an article by Tanisara, who some of you may know. She and her husband, um, they were monastics before they were married. They were monastics for many, many years, and then they... They, they disrobed and they got married and they started this, uh, they had a meditation center in South Africa for many, many, many years. And I think now they're living here and they're teaching at Spirit Rock a lot, but they're really activists. She wrote a book, I can't remember the name of her book, um, but she's really quite an activist. So I was reading an article of hers um, really talking about how to create diverse sanghas and how the sanghas, the insight sanghas in our, in our, um, in the United States are really going to have to wake up to their their white privilege and the systemic misogyny and patriarchy and everything that's that's um, that's part of that. But in there, she had a line um, from Ajahn Chah, which 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 grabbed me, and it's true but not right, right but not true, true but not right, right but not true. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, what is, I know what that means, but do I know what it means? Do I know what it means enough to say something about it? And I haven't had enough time to teach, think about it, so maybe I'll talk about that next week. Um, <laughs> so there. Um, but because I was going to do that, but then I saw someone yesterday, I was talking to a friend, and she said she might come tonight. And I said, well, what should I talk about? And she said, acceptance. That was like, Whoa. And I went, oh, right now it's like this. That's, to me, when I think of acceptance in Buddhist terms, it's right now it's like this. And I said, oh, okay, let me talk about that. And then last night I watched Brene Brown's special on Netflix. Have any of you seen that? It's, it's oh, my gosh. Well, if you know, anybody not know who Brene Brown is? She's... I saw that. Oh, you probably do know who she is. She did a number of years ago a TED Talk on vulnerability and shame, which was incredibly powerful for me. I mean, I was I was blubbering. I mean, it was like 20 minutes long, and I was blubbering. And then um, her books are really amazing. She talk, talks about shame. She talks about vulnerability. She talks about um, living wholeheartedly. And so, you know, I teach a lot about the undefended heart and a lot of I, she she really walks that same path. She's a she's a re, she's a shame researcher. I mean, she's a PhD and a social worker, and so she like she put herself in that compartment, and then she ran head on into this research. And she's like, Ehh. like she said, I love it when she says she finally had a breakdown and she had to go into therapy. So she went into therapy with an Excel spreadsheet and said, "Here's what I want to work on." <laughs> because that's how her mind worked, and her, her therapist just kind of laughed at her. So I saw her special last night, or her, her Netflix thing, and that was like, blah, blah, blah. Many things came out of that. And then this morning, I went to this, this um, annual uh, awards breakfast for people who are doing um, great work in social and economic justice. And so I got to hear these talks from these people who are just doing great work, um, including the Reverend Jim Lawson, who taught nonviolence to Martin Luther King, and um, and uh, the and a lot of the people in the in the 
original uh, civil rights, um, you know, the, the, the sit-downs and the, the strikes. And um, uh, so he was really, it was amazing to listen to him. And then they had a lot of people that they, the, the organization I belong to does a lot of work to get people out of the detention centers, like Adelanto. And so they had a bunch of those people there. And so it was really quite moving. So I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about. Because my mind is just this mess of just this amazing, there's so much amazing, amazing stuff out there. So what I thought I'd do is just start talking about, um, you know, uh, maybe right now it's like this and see where we end up. And everybody's invited to join in and see, see how we can co-create this, this dharma that we're all in anyway. Um, so, you know, in thinking about right now, it's like this. I, I, I wrote, how can it not be? I mean, it's like right now, it's like this. Seems like such a, um, a basic phrase, but so often we're not anywhere near right now. We're not connected to the way it is, but yet it can't be any other way. It can't, how can it not be like this? We automatically get caught up in the thinking process. In fact, I forget, I think it was the third Zen patriarch said, you know, anytime the mind starts creating a story about our experience, we're already not present. As soon as we go into the thinking process, we're no longer present. We've already kind of taken a perception and turned it into a consciousness and, and, and have just moved off into another realm, which has a time and a place, like if you're planning a trip somewhere or you're doing this or you're doing that, but with an awareness of that, most of the time we're not even aware of it. We just kind of launch off into that. And when we get caught up in that thinking process, that equals, that equals samsara, that equals suffering, that equals discontent, that equals hmm, it's just not quite right, that sense of, 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 of being a little bit off kilter. And even if it's not extreme, it's just that um, they get caught up in, you know, the, the, the way it should be, the way we think it should be. We work, um, we're often triggered by words, and trigger is a, is a triggering word. But it's, it's a word that's used quite often lately, but it's, it's, the meaning of it is, um, is good in that we experience something and then it immediately sets off a chain reaction. We have some kind of reaction of what we want, what we don't want, what it should be, what we shouldn't have. Um, and so it, we're all different in how we're triggered. So what triggers you doesn't trigger me. What you care about, I don't care about. What I cared about yesterday, I don't care about today. And so it's this hodgepodge of shit that we're just swimming in. And unless we're paying attention to it, we're just going to stay there. Um, George and I were talking about, uh, well, you were telling the story about somebody who was, who was, she was sharing her experience about how it was to be in this in this group of people and always, um, you know, getting mansplained to. And then somebody, when she finished, some guy came up and said, no, really, this is the way it is. And it's like, and him not seeing exactly what was happening. 
that we get so caught up and it's like, oh, by the way, you're doing what I just said was happening. And it's like, but no, I'm not, I'm different. And so to not have an awareness, just to be really um, disconnected. disconnected and deluded, um, walking around just not seeing because we're so trapped in our idea of what um, what's going on. We're filled with the mind gets filled with greed and aversion. And that's the norm. Our trigger takes us there. We hear something and we immediately... Brene Brown told this lovely story last night about um, swimming in a lake with her husband and she stopped at their halfway point and you know she said something to him and she said I'm really enjoying connecting with you in this way and he said water's fine yay and kept swimming and she's like what and you know and the same thing happened on the way back she's like okay maybe he whatever and she said it again I'm really enjoying this this time we're spending together and, and it's really meaningful to me. And he said, water's fine and just took off. And she's like, she went to this place and he went to, and they finally, you know, they got to, she, they got back to land the dock. And she said, we have to talk. And he goes, I don't want to have this conversation right now. I'm kind of, I'm done. And she's like, are we getting divorced? What's going on? And, and what she ended up, what she learned how to do was say, the story that's coming up for me right now, you know, for many years of the marriage, she said she could see where it would end. They, he'd say this, she'd say that, blah, blah, blah. They'd fall into these habitual patterns of communication. But through her work, she said, oh, the story that's coming up for me is you could care less. You don't, you, this is meaningless to you, you know, I don't look good in my old Speedo anymore after, you know, 15 years and two kids, you know, she, all these stories in her head. And when he was finally able to share with her, he said they had, they had their kids with them and then the friends' kids. And he's like, and I had this horrible dream last night that there was a motorboat on the lake and they didn't see us. And I was my job to get all the kids to the shore. And I was swimming across the lake and I was like, how am I going to do this with all the kids? And then I didn't actually hear what you said because I was lost in my thinking. And so it's like, that's the shit that our minds do all the time. And often we're not wise enough to do what she did was like, time out. This is the story that's coming up for me. This is when you say that it triggers this. And he was able to say, oh, this is the story that was coming up for me. And they were able to break through that storyline and come to some kind of a, 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 middle, a middle path, a, a, a common place where they could both land and say, wow, I was so impacted by this story. And you were that impacted by that story. You know, it's like when you're walking down the street and you say hi to your friend and they just totally ignore you. And you, we make it all about self. This is the Buddha's, the Buddha's teaching about selfing. We create the I. It's about me. It's about I. It's about what's going on right here. Or not right here, but like the story in my head. Instead of stopping and going, Oh, I shared this vulnerable thing because that's not, she said, that's not me. I never say that stuff, but I was trying to do something different. Like, I'm really enjoying this 
this time together, I feel really connected to you. And my husband just shined me on. So what the, 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 the Buddhist prescription for that would be, oh, that's bringing up all these fears, these fears of, of, of him not thinking I'm, I'm good enough, this, him not liking me. It's nothing to do with him. It has to do with that triggering these deep, deep wounds inside. That what it's, I'm being asked to do through these teachings is to hold with compassion rather than react. The reactivity was her story to, to build on top of his story. And so it's, it's really complex. But that's how we navigate our world. We're, we're doing that all the time. How often are we hurt by what other people say to us? When it's when we come to we find out later, it's actually not doesn't have anything to do with that at all. There's a story uh, John Sumedho tells. Uh, John Sumedho is a, a senior monk in the Insight tradition who who's 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 a great teacher. He's very wise, and being a human being, there's some uh, he's somewhat uh, problematic as well because he doesn't believe in female ordination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's like. Yes. Bless his heart, yes. <laughs> There's a bit of a patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um so there's a you know, there's a little there's that that aspect to him, but his teaching around it is like, you know, he he was um I don't remember what the situation was, but maybe there was a retreat or something. He was a abbot of this monastery, and people come and stay at monasteries all the time. And he got an, a letter from someone who had stayed there saying, Buddhists are supposed to be kind and compassionate, and I didn't feel that. You didn't treat me very well. You're not good Buddhists or whatever. You know, you're a terrible, terrible place. And so he was the abbot, so he felt responsible he got lost in his abbotness. And I think I talked about this a few weeks ago. He took birth as the responsible abbot, the abbot who was responsible. Until he got that letter, he was just walking around. That letter came, it triggered something inside of him, and he took birth as the abbot who is responsible and suffered mightily from that. Instead of recognizing, it's like, oh, did we do something that this person didn't like? Oh, checking it out, saying, oh, that I hope that didn't happen. That's too bad. But we we take these things so personally. You know, they land, and then we become we become create we create this this persona. So, watching our triggers when we begin to suffer, I think that's the the number one. Um, even if you've been doing this for a long time and you get caught up in suffering, it still takes a long time to be able to work your way out of it and say, wait a minute, what's happening right now? Right now it's like this. What's going on? I'm caught up in suffering. I'm caught up in this, 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 this really painful place. Benet Brown also talks this wonderful story about reading the, re reading the reviews of her first TED Talk. Her first TED Talk, which got like 10 million views, and her husband, her husband, um, when he was leaving the house, when all of a sudden it just exploded, he's like, don't read the comments. So immediately she read the comments. And it was like, they were horrible. They were horrible to her. Like, I hope you die level of love. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, really awful stuff. 
So she, you know, she went through that and then finally was able to come to the other side. But that's, you know, we get that shit coming at us all the time these days. It just comes at us all the time. When we're lost in it, we're lost in it. And so that's why we train our minds through this mindfulness practice to come back, come back, come back. What's happening right now? Right now it's like this. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's going on? What's going on? Um, you know, we, we can see these stories that arise. Oh, they think I'm terrible. You know, my husband's ready to leave me. Blah, 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 blah. Do I have any proof or is it just the mind? And observe the stories that the mind creates. I'm sure you all have stories just like that. They said this, which means that. They, they, you know, this happened and it means that we, we have to, it, it's actually, um, the mind wants to assign meaning to everything that happens. So to retrain our mind to not assign meaning can, is really challenging. So if you can't do it, it's not because you suck. It's because the mind is just, you know, evolutionary, evolutionarily wants to do that. So we're kind of retraining. It's not that it can't happen. It's just that it takes effort. And that's why you're all here, whether you know it or not. That's one of the, that's a byproduct. If that's not why you're here, hopefully that'll be a byproduct of why you want to be here is to begin to let go of that, to see that, that um, these stories we create and um, cause suffering. And so if we can just observe them without judgment, just saying, oh, here comes that story again. You know, I have a core stories, core, core, core stories that were kind of um, a deep old conditioning that not good enough on the outside looking in. It's just, just not good enough. That's just like, it's an almost an autopilot go-to. But when I'm in, 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 in a place of equanimity, it'll go there and it'll bounce right off. And I can see it. Oh, yeah, I, I, that thought's just going by, but there's no charge anymore. There's no, it's not like, you know, Velcro. It's not sticking anymore. It just kind of slips off like Teflon. Most of the time, but not all of the time. And when it gets, and when I get stuck in it, it's fucking painful. It's really painful. So that's what the ask is to begin to recognize the narrative. What is your story? What is your narrative? And we talk about this all the time. Um, you know, we get into this, uh, we also get into this place of what am I supposed to be feeling? Anybody ever? What am I supposed to I get that question a lot. What should it be like? That is a mental fabrication as well. It's not supposed to feel any way other than the way it is. If you, if you meditate correctly, and you all want to meditate correctly, I know, then this is what it will feel like. Can you, can you recommend a book that will teach me how to do it right? And so I'll recommend a book that's going to offer you some, you know, some suggestions and some blah, 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 but it's, you're still not going to do it just the way the book tells you you're going to do it. So to, to recognize that and to come towards ourselves with compassion and kindness. Um, 
Philip Moffat talks about the insights of the noble truths, you know, where we move from the head to the heart, where the first one is we reflect on the experience itself. We intellectually see how we create our suffering. So to use the Brene Brown example, how she saw that she got hooked into that story and was like just, you know, in the space of however long it took her to swim, you know, to half the lake, was already, um, are we getting divorced? You know? We can go there in a split second. I have a lot of those stories where it goes there in a split second. But in, unless we're paying attention, we, it, it goes there. So we reflect on that. We reflect on that after the fact, going, man, I went there in a heartbeat, and that was painful. It was painful, and it was scary, and it made me do awful things because I believed something that my mind made up and I behaved as if it were true. And I treated other people like crap or I made really poor choices because of something that my mind was telling me, but it wasn't actually real. We do that too. Anybody ever do that? Yeah. That's what we do as well. So to start seeing things, seeing, being willing to look at the experience Seeing that reality of this, seeing the Four Noble Truths, you know, that, that there is suffering and it's because we want things to be yummy all the time and there's a way out and it's the Eightfold Path. So there is a way out. So then um, seeing that, understanding that, reflecting on it, even if it's, like I said, even if it's in the past tense, man, I was spun out in this place, in this, in this fabrication of the mind. It was painful. And then we come into this ex the experience of it, perhaps when you're in the middle of it, like, like Brene Brown did when she was like, oh, wait a minute, what's the story right now? I'm lost in the story. What's going on? So recognize it when you're in it. And there's no need to let it play all the way out. And this is a place that's really, it can be very challenging. Because I've had the experience where I've all of a sudden become aware of what I'm doing, but have A, not been able to pull out, or B, chosen to stay. <laughs> so to recognize fully that that's what you're doing too. So to pull out or choose to stay. and And then... Again, or finally, the third, the third piece of this insight of the noble truth, as Philip Moffat talks about it, is this intuitive awareness, seeing things for what they are as they're happening. It's not the mind figuring it out. It's the, it's the experience of like, oh, because we're so attuned. It's like, oh, this is anger. This is the story that's arising from this anger. Oh, here comes that thought again. Don't have to go with it because I see it. It's just arising and passing. Okay, it's coming and it's going. So there's that intuitive awareness, that awareness that comes um, from this practice. Wisdom comes from this intuitive knowing, not figuring it out. We can't figure shit out. We have to allow that to arise. That was an instruction in the meditation was um, uh, what was the instruction in the meditation? 
but it was basically it was about you know don't oh yeah you know when the mind is calm enough if you ever get to that place where the mind calms enough you make space for what's underneath to arise because the mind is the mind is in its prefab place the mind is stuck in its rigid stories the ones that you you, you your library of stories we'll pull that one off the shelf that's where we're going today not that you're doing that consciously. It's just that, that you're triggered and it's an unconscious reaction. And, it's, and um, that's where you go. So to recognize that that's happening, but hopefully you have built up enough concentration that you can take it with you when you leave these rooms, when you get off your cushion, that you can carry it with you when you're walking around and begin to have these insights and begin to see clearly. Drop what you're carrying. Put down the story and, and be with what is, right? Whatever is happening right in this moment. There's another thing she said that I think fits right in with this. And she talks about um, when, you're, when you're vulnerable and you're courageous, <laughs> watch it if you can. It's, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm a, such a huge fan of hers. But she was talking about... Um, vulnerability and people talking about vulnerability and willing to risk failure. And she says, well, you haven't heard a thing I've said. Because if you're being vulnerable, it's not that you're willing to risk failure. It's not that that it might happen. It's like when it happens, when you crash and burn, when it happens, not if it happens. And that's what, you know, that fits right in with I, what I like to talk about is life is messy. Our mind wants it to be niche. Our, we, we want hospital corners on our beds, if you know what they are. Just all perfect. It's not like that. It's messy. And if you can embrace the messiness and go, right now it's like this. Because this is, this is the human condition. First noble truth. Pain, there's suffering, there's loss. That's, that's you know, you can... Recognize that it's not what you're doing wrong. It's just the way it is. You're going to fail. You're going to fall in your... You're going to have snot in your nose when you have a cold. Just, just get used to that. There's no antihistamine you can take that will make that not happen. Because eventually it will wear off and then it will be even worse. So, yeah. Um... So that's what you, um, that's what this, this, this really being willing to be with what is, is just to recognize the stories, recognize those fabrications, and realize we're just going to get caught up in them, and be willing to train yourself to let go of them, and recognize you're going to fall on your face, or your ass, or both at the same time, which should be fun, make sure it's on video. But it's, it's, <laughs> and and um, it doesn't matter because you don't have to be anything other than who you are to be worthy of happiness and joy. To be worthy, you know that's that she said it last night, and they said it again this morning, and they said we are all created in the image of God, therefore we are worthy. And I'm like, well, you know what? <laughs> I don't actually believe in God and I'm still worthy. 
Because the Buddha said, because I am. Because I am. And there was a woman who was the MC this morning, Najiba. She's this, um, this amazing speaker. And she, she said, I am not free until you are free. I, my dignity is tied to your dignity. It's not us and them. It's just we. You know, and that's very Buddhist. That's like the metta sutta. All beings. All beings. It's not because we're created in any particular way. It's just because we are. It's because we exist. So we are worthy. So we don't get to, we don't, don't judge yourselves. Just recognize that it's messy. We're all going to fall down. And to be vulnerable is okay. Vulnerability with boundaries. That's, that's another very important piece that I don't, uh, always need to talk about vulnerability with boundaries. So um, that's what else did they say today? Um, you know, in liberation, because we talk about liberation and freedom. I was just making notes today. Um, liberation is not an afterthought, but the very essence of the divine in this world. Mm-hmm. But the very essence of this world is liberation. It's like it's what we are moving towards. And when we're, if we are aligned and really willing to, um, you know, because when we get, when we create the I, like if we create the I of the abbot or the I of the wronged wife or the I of the this, when we take birth, we are creating us and them. But when we can put down that I and just go, it's us just walking along, bumping into each other, doing the best we can, being kind to each other, treating each other with dignity and respect, then we can get through this stuff. We get through, we don't do this alone. Connectivity is also an important part of, of being, you know, and, and, um, Martin Luther King used to talk about, and Larry Yang in his book about creating a, uh, a, a healthy sangha talks about beloved community, which is it's which is people coming together like this with this dig- with this belief in the um, the importance of every person in the community and working with each other towards the best. That's what this is about. But recognizing that we get snot in our nose and we have a cold and it's going to hurt sometimes and shit happens. So that, that's kind of where my brain was uh, wandering around um, these few days with this, this mess of input I, I was getting. Any questions or thoughts or comments? I, uh, I realized that today, especially because we had a conversation earlier about, I told you how I felt like my practice was really good, doing this stuff right now. I realized today that... Uh, that uh, like I, I fly into LA uh, at my company's expense. My company, I, have, I have this job where, where you know they pay me to travel around, and, um, and I come into LA and I'm, I'm hanging out doing my thing, and, and I realize like I'm I'm trying to suffer as best as I can um, because of all the things that aren't the way that they used to be. You know, all that impermanence. You know, this is every. I used to land and go straight to Melrose. I used to, you know, I have all these things that uh, that were my 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 Los Angeles experience is no longer the same Los Angeles experience. 
I've been trying to suffer about it all day. But, uh, <laughs> but like every time I turn around, I'm looking at how, uh, what a great day I've had. You know, I've got to spend time with you. I got to come here tonight. I, 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 uh, I, I pulled out my phone earlier today and, um, and the first like half dozen text messages that I had are all teachers slash friends that, you know, these people that I have just tremendous respect for and love for, all having conversations that, you know, talking back and forth, trying to make time to get together and all this. And just that I have that, you know, that, that that's what's going on. That's my day is talking to my daughter, my wife, and a half a dozen of the best teachers in the world, you know, and that's, you know, and, um, and uh, my day's pretty awesome, actually, when I look at that, and I'm like, my whole day was fantastic, but I was trying my best to find ways to suffer about mm -hmm. something that's not even real, you know, anymore, anyways. That, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Thank exactly you. what you're talking about. That clinging. That clinging to a fixed idea yeah. of how it's supposed to be. And it's not that way, so it sucks, but really it's fun. I'm having a great time. But it sucks. You know? <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Anything else? <clears throat>